number two, Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of the show. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110. That's one phone number. Here's another, 1-800-WBT-1110. And you can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Remember, get the podcast. And uh, it is free. comes right to your smartphone or tablet shortly after each hour is completed. And uh, you get just the content. Yeah. Uh, so Mark Elias, who is, uh, I, I hate referring to him as uh, what a lot of media outlets refer to him as a super lawyer. Um, he's he's involved in a lot of cases. He's, he does a lot of litigation for the Democrats. He is a Democrat partisan hack and a liar. Okay. Uh, in my estimation. And. He puts out on, and remember, Mark Elias worked for Perkins Coie. Perkins Coie acted as the go-between for the Steele dossier. They were billing. They were, uh, they were uh, uh, you know, uh, funneling the money around. And this was done to inoculate and insulate the Hillary campaign from the, the production of the Steele dossier and the Russia collusion hoax. Alpha Bank as well, right? All of all of these these lies that were promulgated, you find Mark Elias right in the mix of it. Just like with all of the election laws that got upended during COVID, he was here in North Carolina. He represented Roy Cooper when Roy Cooper uh, was uh, uh, when they were counting up the ballots after Cooper ran and beat Pat McCrory, right? That was Cooper's lawyer. And Mark Elias was part of the collusive settlement that the Board of Elections and our attorney general entered into in this state, changing the rules, despite the fact that the General Assembly has the right to make and has the authority to make the rules. And they just went around them and they got a compliant judge to agree. That's Mark Elias. I, I find him to be just grotesque and disgusting. Um, that being said. On the Twitter machine. The day of the trans raid on Mar-a-Lago, he said, the media is missing the really, really big reason why the raid today is a potential blockbuster in American politics. And then he has a screenshot of 18 U.S. Code 2071, concealment, removal, or mutilation, generally. That's the title. And it's about documents. And he highlights a fragment of a sentence in this two-paragraph law. And the part he highlights is, shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. So what is Elias saying? He's saying the purpose here is to prevent Trump from running again. He then sends a follow-up tweet, which, by the way, that one got 82,000 likes, 24, 25,000 retweets. That was the reach of that tweet. And then he does a follow-up, which only got 10,000 likes and only 491 retweets. For some reason, people aren't as interested in the next tweet for some reason. I, I don't know. See if we can suss it out. 
Quote, Yes, I recognize the legal challenge that application of this law to a president would garner, since qualifications for president are set in Constitution. But the idea that a candidate would have to litigate this during a campaign is, in my view, a blockbuster in American politics. So what is he saying? He's saying, I recognize that what I just said probably wouldn't apply. Right? He's essentially saying, hey, this is a blockbuster, everybody. Check this out. He would be prevented from running again. And then that gets all over the place. That gets spread virally, like monkeypox. Mark Elias spreading the monkeypox analysis. And he's out there with this big tweet that the left and the media, but I repeat myself, they're, they're loving this tweet. Oh, my gosh, Mark Elias, he's a super lawyer. And uh, they, they just send it out. They amplify his message. And then he follows it up with, well, actually, that probably wouldn't apply here because, after all, the qualifications to run for president are set forth in the Constitution. And so, uh, I mean, but the idea that you would have to litigate all of this while you're running for president, like, that's the big deal. That's what makes it a blockbuster. So what is he acknowledging? He's saying that the big blockbuster news is that this will do political damage to Donald Trump because he's going to have to litigate it during a potential re-election bid. So it's partisan. So it's political. Oh, I know. We can't trust Mark Elias on this stuff, right? He has no particular insight, just being, you know, the the nexus point for virtually all Democrat legal shenanigans. The guy's all over the country suing every Republican legislature that draws gerrymandered maps. Meanwhile, defending, literally defending gerrymandered maps in Democrat-controlled states. So what is this section that he's talking about, 2071? Well, I mentioned this yesterday. There was um, there's a website called JustSecurity.org. And they run through, there were a couple of lawyers, they got together and they're like, what crimes might have been committed here? And what laws might the FBI be using and the DOJ be using, you know, uh, that informs them uh, in the wake of this uh, trans raid that, that prompted them to do this? So there are a couple, a couple different laws. Uh, I'm not going to go over all of them, but 18 U.S. Code, that seems to be where most of this stuff lives. And it's all under document retention and the, and the like. And this is for people that are in government. It's for people who have left government, whatever. Um, 18 U.S. Code 1924. So this is the first one, 1924. Unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents or material. Okay? 1924 makes it a crime to knowingly remove classified documents with the intent to retain them in an unauthorized location. There are a few problems with this statute if you're trying to apply it to Trump. One potential problem is that the statutory provisions are limited in scope, and it's limited to an officer, an employee, a contractor, or consultant. There is, like, no case law addressing whether the president of the United States would qualify as an officer in this particular statutory context, and the statute itself provides no clarity. A recent ruling in one of the January 6th civil lawsuits against Trump 
brought by two members of Congress, concluded that the statutory term officer could encompass holders of political office, such as members of Congress. While informative, how that analysis would be applied in a criminal context with respect to then-President Trump remains unclear. There's also the issue of whether Trump actually declassified the records prior to the end of his presidency. Cash Patel has publicly said he did. So it, this wouldn't even apply, 1924. But that might be. Now, whether the arguments one or, you know, on either side hold up in court, nobody can really predict with any certainty because it's unchartered territory. So I'm wondering where all of the, the norms crowd is on this, right? Strictly speaking, even if Trump ordered the declassification of the documents, what's likely to matter for purposes of handling and storing the records after he left the White House was if the mandatory follow-on actions occurred. This is essentially the paperwork. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. If he ordered the declassification, he had to make sure that staff took the necessary steps to modify the classifications. Now, what we heard from John Solomon's report uh, in the last hour, though, is that uh, the DOJ slow-walked all of this and then basically ignored the declassification orders. And Solomon is saying that this appears to be them doing a cleanup operation going to the House and taking the documents that Trump took with him that they were told to declassify, they were told to redact, and they didn't. Because that stuff was about the Russia collusion hoax that the DOJ was involved in against Trump, which Trump is now litigating against Hillary before a judge who had to recuse himself because he's biased against Trump, oh, but who also signed the search warrant after he recused himself. From that case, it just stinks. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here going over some of the statutes that Donald Trump may or may not have uh, run afoul of. Or I guess statues of which Trump may have run afoul. Um, section 1924, U.S. Code 18. It's all about, it's all under 18. Um, it's all under USC 18. Um, which I think if you say it's all under 18, uh, Joe Biden's like, where's the hair to sniff on that? That's anyway. Um, unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents or material. Went over some of this or most of it earlier. Um, if the uh, if so, if you believe what Cash Patel and John Solomon have said, they're saying that Trump declassified this stuff and then took it with him. The act of declassification, the president has sole authority to do that. The DOJ then said, according to Patel and uh, uh, this memo that Mark Meadows wrote, as well as John Solomon that reported it, they said, "Look, we." We told them this is getting declassified. They said, no, 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 privacy concerns under the Privacy Act. And they said, fine, make redactions. And then the DOJ slow walked that until Trump was gone the next day. And they and they never followed through. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. So is this just paperwork? I don't know. Is this a paperwork on the Trump end, right? Or is it uh, is it the DOJ trying to get back documents that 
show all of the corruption inside the FBI and the intelligence community over the Russia collusion hoax, which, by the way, is the subject of the lawsuit Trump has filed down in Florida against Hillary Clinton, among others. Next up, Section 2071. This is the section that Mark Elias quoted. Mark Elias, Democrat uh, super lawyer, Democrat lawyer who is at the nexus of like all of these unethical shenanigans. Um, 2071. This is perhaps the most discussed statute since the search, including, uh, including because it carries one of the penalties, possible disqualification from holding public office. And that's, that's, that's what Elias was getting at, and that's what Democrats are really, really hoping for. And look, there is a long history on the Democratic side of the aisle here of clearing the field. You ever hear the story of how Obama won the U.S. Senate race? Do you remember this story? I was sitting at this very desk going over these details when Obama was running for president as a blank slate candidate. Nobody knew who he was and all this. And you you go and you start doing some deep diving and you find out that it just so happened that he cleared the field. He cleared the field. They got court documents from his opponent's divorce proceedings. Remember this guy, Ryan? I forget his first name. John Ryan or something? Jack Ryan? Is that the guy from the books? Married to the actress. Sorry, don't say actress anymore. Married to the the thespian. um, Or thespian. It's a P. Never mind. The actor, Jerry Ryan. She was in Star Trek, I want to say. One of the Star Treks. Anyway. um, And so there were... There were all these like lurid details, but they were supposedly sealed. And somehow or another, they got leaked and it cleared the field for him. That's how you ended up with uh, Alan Keyes trying to make a late run against Obama. So there's a long history of this kind of behavior. You clear the field. Concealment, mutilation, or removal of these documents. Um. This is a more attractive statute for a prosecutor to apply to Trump, mainly because it does not require that the document be classified. It just applies to all government record, uh, records. It also seems to fit the facts we know so far, namely that the FBI purportedly searched locations within Mar-a-Lago other than the room originally shown to DOJ during their June visit, suggesting what? That they had gotten information in the meantime, in the interim, that additional documents were being stored or concealed elsewhere. They allegedly searched his personal safe and his closet, evidence that Trump had failed to reveal the full scope or locations where government records were being stored, would also meet the heightened intent standard required by this section, which is that the defendant acted willfully. Right? But does it make sense that he may be hiding these documents that he says he declassified because he's going to use them in his court case? And maybe the FBI and maybe folks like Mark Elias would very much not like those documents to be entered into court. Just speculation. It's the only thing I can do right now because nobody's giving us any of the details. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. So we're going over some of the potential crimes 
that could have been committed. I'm not making any allegations here, but these lawyers at JustSecurity.org got together and they like, all right, what do we know about sort of the case surrounding the the trans raid at Mar-a-Lago? What can we, uh, what could we sort of uh, speculate was driving the warrant? What what underlying crime could possibly have been committed that the FBI is looking to do this, this unprecedented thing. And so they're running through the various statutes. And I think it's a pretty fair uh, analysis, by the way. They're giving you know, the limitations and they're recognizing that we don't have the information. So they're just throwing this stuff out there. Uh, like here's, you know, uh, Section uh, 1924, the removal and retention of classified documents or material. That was the first uh, code. The second one. 2071. This is the one that Mark Elias, Democrat lawyer, and all of the Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, this this is the section that they're really juiced up about because this is the one that says you can't ever hold office again. Look at what they went after. uh, Who? Madison Cawthorn. They went after, um, who was the other one? I want to say it was Boebert or maybe uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're going after various members of Congress under... You know, the the Civil War Reconstruction era amendments to prevent insurrectionists from holding office. Right. So they're trying to clear the field. They're trying to block Republicans from getting into office because the democracy. Now, meanwhile, they're working to keep other people off the ballot, like in North Carolina, Mark Elias and the Democrats are all in to stiff arm the Green Party trying to keep them off the ballot because that's what democracy looks like, of course, to Democrats who are all about the democracy just as long as you get to vote for only them. Okay, so 2071. A question remains whether the statutory requirement that the records in question be filed or deposited with a court or a public office or public or judicial officer would apply in this case. All of that just means is that we don't know how this would be applied. There's there's. This is uncharted territory. A counter argument that any records or classified documents in Trump's possession would not be a filing in a strictly technical sense. So you would need to have more review to form a final judgment on the applicability of the statute. But we can all cross our fingers that it'll be heard if it ever gets to court like this, that it'll be heard by a Washington, D.C. jury. Because we all know how fair those are. Then there is Section 641. uh, Public money, property, or records provides for criminal penalties for anybody who steals, purloins, or knowingly converts to his or her, uh, his or, uh, to his use or the use of another government property. Um, I mean, I guess you could say that Trump did that with the respect to the documents issue. The statute hasn't gotten a lot of attention maybe a looser fit than the last one. But the penalties are potentially greater, actually, with imprisonment of up to 10 years, depending on the circumstances. But did he steal them? Eh. Knowingly convert to his use or the use of another. I mean, is simple possession of the document for your use in a court case, would that be, would that be covered? See, like a lot of questions are outstanding on this stuff. And Mark Elias tweeted, that's the point. It goes back to what was the old LBJ 
story where he uh, he told his campaign chief to go start rumors in the local congressional district that his opponent was having uh, sexual relations with farm animals, let's say. And the campaign chief was like, uh, campaign manager said, I mean, we can't, I mean, that's obviously not true. We can't spread that kind of lie, that kind of rumor. It's not true. And he says, I know it's not true. I just want to hear him say it. That's it. That's the political benefit. And that's what Mark Elias essentially said. You know, okay, maybe this won't apply, but it's going to be tough for him to run for re-election having to litigate all of this. Next up, Section 1361. This actually applies to uh, anybody who willfully injures or commits any depredation against any property of the U.S. Uh, or any department or agency thereof. Um, this might come into play uh, because the numerous reports and recent photographs talk about Trump's penchant for ripping up notes and trying to flush them down toilets. Have you heard about this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's true, uh, but these are the reports. It's been, uh, I think it came out of the J6 committee uh, that they got pieces of paper that were taped back together as part of their evidence collection. They got pieces of paper that were taped taped back together. And apparently there was another report, I think Politico or something some years ago, talked about how Trump would get some piece of paper. They would give him some memo or whatever, and he would read it. And okay. And then when he was done, he would rip it. He, he would rip it into pieces and throw it away. And then somebody would come along and scoop it up because you're not allowed to do that. Okay. Uh, it should be noted that uh, all of these sections that I've gone over, all of these uh, 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 sections of the code, they are, they're all regarding removal, storage, and destruction. All of them are serious offenses, particularly as they pertain to classified documents. But prosecution of violations, risks being seen as excessive, given that Trump was at least by appearances trying to cooperate with government officials, right? He was. Given that DOJ decided to take the especially aggressive step of executing a search warrant, despite prior attempted coordination with Trump and his lawyers, by the way, I think there is a reason why uh, he, why they waited for him not to be there. Think about it. He, they knew he was going to New York to do the, the, you know, to take the fifth, basically, in New York with the attorney general up there as part of that probe. So they knew he was not going to be there. And I think... There was a reason for that, and I want to say it had something to do with, like, the paperwork component, that they have to provide certain things to him, and him not being there meant that he couldn't request certain things. I think, yeah, I know. I Look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you can't tell me that that was coincidence. You can't tell me that he just happened to be up in New York getting deposed or getting interviewed by the attorney general up there, and that's the day they decide to raid the home. Um, what's next for, uh, I'm just reading through here. Mar-a-Lago it's possible even more serious charges could be in play for those. We would turn to the suite of espionage statutes contained in chapter 37, a hint that these might be the underlying crimes is suggested by the June 22nd visit to Mar-a-Lago of the counterintelligence and export control section of the DOJ. Isn't it funny? All these years later, 
We're right back at Russia Collusion. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Attorney General Merrick Garland is now being reported will make a statement today at 2.30. Justice Department making that announcement. We will bring it to you live when it occurs. As I called for. I mean, I, I mean, you might think it's purely coincidental that I called for, you know, DOJ to make some sort of a statement to get in front of the American public and explain itself on this. Um, and then they did. All right. You could say that's coincidental. I mean, you would be totally right. But like, well, I, I just, I lent my voice to the chorus. Right. Um, all righty. So, and I know that's during a newscast. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to interrupt whoever's talking. I already told them. So that won't be, it won't be a surprise. I'm like, look, I'm just going to interrupt you. And I'm going to try Try my hardest to wreck this train as loudly as possible. Um, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, that's at 2.30. Back to, oh, there was a, I'm going over some of the codes, some of the statutes that uh, at this point we are left to purely uh, and only speculate as to what was motivating the DOJ to take the unprecedented action that they took. And um, running through some of these, I, I just went over, uh, where was it here? Oh, government property or contracts. And uh, Section 1361 applies to anybody who willfully injures or commits any depredation against any property of the U.S. or any department or agency thereof. And uh, Monica pointed out, uh, gosh, that would have been, uh, that could have come in handy against Antifa. Oh, come on. That's different when Democrats do it. Obviously. Duh. Um, next up, espionage. Oh, sorry. Espionage. Okay. He's working with the Russians. That's essentially what, I mean, these are just, they're just kind of, these lawyers at justsecurity.org are just trying to game out this stuff. And I think they're all of the left. I'm not sure, but they're just walking through the different, uh, potential crimes. Right. So this is. This is what's informing a lot of the people on the left as to, you know, how they're going to get Trump now. And the walls are closing in as they've been closing in for seven years. Um, <laughs> so, uh, do, 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 right, because and, and this is why they're on this trail of potential espionage is because the uh, there was a visit in June by the counterintelligence and export control section of the DOJ. I think there was something mentioned here in the, uh, yeah, here it is, counterintelligence back in June, um, at which point Trump's lawyers showed DOJ officials the location where the documents were being kept. Five days later, the DOJ advised Trump via a letter to secure the location they were shown, and his aides added a padlock to that door. And then this Monday, the FBI hauled away 10 more boxes, according to the Wall Street Journal. So uh, there's section... 793, gathering or transmitting defense information. 
and uh, that concerns the willful delivery of the information any person not entitled to receive it or the retention of the information and failure to return it to the U.S. when demanded. By having the records transferred through unsecured means, like, for example, I'm just going to make up an example. It's it's grounded in nothing except just, you know, uh, pure fiction. Let's say I, uh, I'm a former secretary of state and I create a server. I have a server installed in uh, my house or something or like in somebody else's house that I use. And I don't secure any of that. Right. That would be a really big problem as I'm doing all of my business uh, you know, uh, arranging meet and greets with foreign dignitaries while being the secretary of state. And I'm using this homebrew server and uh, there's no security on it and people can hack into it and they can see all of the deals getting cut. And uh, yeah, I mean, something like that, right? That would be a right. This would be a bad, a bad thing. Like you could be criminally charged for that unless your name is Clinton. You could be criminally or Hunter. You could be charged with it for, for doing that sort of stuff. Anyway, um Transferred records through unsecured means after he was no longer president. So did this go from the White House to Mar-a-Lago after he was president and uh, then having those records stored in an unsecured location at Mar-a-Lago? And maybe that's why they slapped the padlock on there was because, hey, you can't be keeping this stuff here. It's unsecured. Trump may have run afoul of this provision. This was even made more clear by the fact that Trump returned 15 boxes initially in June, right? Or before June, right? Before the visit, he had given them a bunch of stuff already. This is what the Trump campaign or the uh, Trump world, they say, look, we were cooperating. Uh, Then there are two prongs of potential applicability. One, Trump's exposure to the provision would be the byproduct of his haphazard and lackadaisical manner of having records boxed up and shipped to Mar-a-Lago. And then the second prong uh, would be failing to promptly return national defense information upon learning that it's been illegally removed from a secure location. That would have particular relevance in light of media reporting that Trump continued to have classified records even after his staff returned records back in February. And the fact that they had to, you know, they had to uh, uh, put the padlock on there indicates this might be sort of along the lines of this area of the law that the FBI is uh, pursuing. 